Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. In today's episode, we're going to talk about seller concessions, seller credits, if you will. And over the last couple of years, you know, the last two years, if you will, we've had a market where we haven't really seen a lot of seller credits. Why? Because it's been a very, very strong seller's market. But as the market is starting to turn now, things are taking a little bit longer to sell, more homes are coming on the market, we're starting to see more seller credits, or at least the idea of a seller willing to entertain these. So Josh, let's take a minute here and talk about seller credits, help, you know, first time home buyers, help those looking to buy in this market navigate, uh, you know, what a seller credit is and how to use them. It's interesting to even be talking about this, Jeb, because what, uh, for the better part of two years, like it wasn't even a consideration. So we, um, what what we end up with a lot of times on on the first time buyer side is people that are short of cash. They have a finite amount of cash. They have to come up with their down payment and there's closing costs available. So for the last two years, the only option we had was to get a lender credit. People, different topic, but how do you do that? You take a higher interest rate. Well, interest rates are already higher. Lenders are not providing as large of lender credits. And it's it's interesting that right about that same time, it coincides with a, a normalizing market where sellers don't have all the control anymore. And I would say, um, maybe not half, but 30, 40% of the deals that we're getting uh, accepted contracts in on now, especially in that first time buyer segment, are getting some level of of seller concessions in terms of closing costs, whether that's discount points to buy down the rate, um, an agreement to pay a portion of closing costs, whether it's a set amount. So we'll go through today, what are all the things a seller can pay? What are the limits on it? And and how do you use this um, to, to most benefit you? And that's largely gonna come down to where you stand as a buyer and how much other funds you have available. No, I mean, as a real estate agent that's been doing this quite some time, I mean, when I started my career, it was normal for a buyer to ask a seller for, you know, maybe $5,000 towards closing costs or $10,000 towards closing costs or whatever the amount was. And oftentimes you you just rolled it into your loan amount, right? I mean, if you had a $500,000 purchase price or that's what you were offering and you wanted $10,000 towards closing costs or towards concessions, if you will, we just made the offer five ten. It was still the same price to the to the seller, and then you got that money back in return. So, but even over the last couple of years, where you could have done the same thing, what happened was the difference was people were already overbidding on that price and not asking for that. So that five hundred thousand dollar offer became five ten, but that buyer wasn't asking for any concession. So you, as a buyer that wanted that concession, if you will, you had to go up even higher. And, you know, in, in selling probably 50 to 60 properties during the last two years, I don't know that I got any seller concessions, like any buyers even requesting it. So it is it is starting to become a more normalized market, one that we were, you know, experiencing prior to the craziness that we've, we've had over the last couple of years. And, you know, in a more normalized market, it is normal to have a seller give some sort of concessions, 
um, you know, some sort of credit for that buyer to use. So Josh, maybe start by talking, what is a concession? Like, what is that? Um, when, when I say the word concession, because I don't know that everybody out there listening knows exactly what we're talking about. So a seller credit, a seller concession, an interested party concession. I mean, it can come from either of the realtors in a transaction. Occasionally we'll see that. But a concession is a party to the transaction giving a credit to any other party to the transaction. So today we're talking about seller credits. So the seller can either, as part of the contract or an, an addendum, an amendment to the contract through the process, can agree to credit you uh, a portion of their proceeds. So assuming that a seller has been in the home the last couple of years, home's gone up in value a couple hundred thousand dollars, they're going to get money at closing. So in lieu of potentially dropping their purchase price or the sale price, they say, well, we will give you $5,000 in credit towards your closing costs. We will give you one point or 1% of the loan amount uh, in terms of uh, a credit for you. So there's any number of ways that it can be structured, but essentially it's a credit from seller proceeds going to you at closing as a buyer. So you do not need to bring as much money into closing as you otherwise would. Got it. So, and, and one thing you didn't mention, sometimes it can come from repair credit, right? So a buyer is is negotiating with with a seller uh, with regards to repairs needed in the property. And in, and in lieu of the sellers doing repairs on that particular property, they come back and say, hey, we're willing to give you a credit um, towards closing costs, if you will. And and what, what many buyers out there don't understand is that those, you know, when you, when a seller gives you a credit towards repairs, you know, when it's worded, you know, as repairs for that credit, that means that those repairs have to be completed prior to the closing on that transaction. So many times sellers don't want to wait for those repairs to be completed. The buyer doesn't want to have to deal with doing repairs during the transaction. So the seller words it, hey, I'm willing to give you that credit towards closing costs which allows you to do several different things, which we'll talk about here in a minute with that money in order to, um, you know, uh, help the transaction, if you will. So you're just taking money that was going to be used towards something like repairs, and now you're using it towards closing costs. And we'll talk about what that means here in just a minute, Josh. So yeah, a lot of this just comes down to what is the net due at closing? And for the seller, what do they care? What does the net do to them at closing? What are they gonna walk away from it? You as a buyer are worried about what is the net cash due from me? So these credits just simply offset from the money they're walking away from escrow with and the amount of money that you're going to need to bring into escrow. So whether it's in lieu of repairs, you know, oftentimes people are concerned, is a seller going to do a great job with my repairs or are they just right. going to put, you know, Band-Aid on it and, and make it pass so we could get through? So you may say, hey, we're comfortable with a dollar amount. We bring less in at closing. We have that money sitting in the bank we can go ahead and pay for the repairs ourselves in the way that we want it done with the vendor that we choose. So, uh, well, on you know, top of that, Josh, I mean, me being an agent that also represents sellers, a lot of times is, you know, we want to give you a credit so that you can do the repairs because if we don't do them correctly or to your liking, we don't want to have to redo it, redo them. We don't want any liability after closing that something happens with one of those repairs. And now you're coming back saying, Hey, the repair wasn't done correctly. So it's it's better 
I mean, in, in many parts for both the buyer and the seller, if you can just take that money and, and get the work done, you know, by the buyer after closing um, and what have you. So Josh, let's talk about, I mean, I know you were going to go a little bit deeper on that, but let's talk about, you know, how much, what's, is there a limit with regards to the amount a seller can credit? And also what can that credit be used towards? Now we talked about repairs a moment ago, but you know, when we, we kind of related that the closing cost, but what can we use that towards? So there's really like four major groups and you covered the, the big one in lieu of uh, of repairs, but it's still just a lump sum. So it has to be credited towards a charge. Most of the time, those repairs are not going to be completed and billed through escrow. So even though you're getting the credit in lieu of repairs, you're just getting a credit. So what three things can it be used for? It can be used for any of your closing costs, your non-recurring closing costs. So what are the things that are non-recurring? An appraisal that's going to happen at closing and never happen again. Escrow fees, title fees, recording, notary, any and all of that. All of those non-recurring closing costs can be covered by a seller credit. We also have prepaids. So whether you're going to impound or not, you're going to have some prepaid items due at closing. So the one that is the best example that you're going to pay at closing, regardless of whether you're going to impound or not, is the first year's hazard insurance premium. So even if you don't want it included in your monthly payment going forward, the lender is going to require that you pay that first year premium through closing. So you can also have prepaid taxes. There can be some prepaid mortgage insurance or HOA dues and prepaid interest. Any and all of those can also be covered by a seller credit. So the last category is sort of separate and apart from that. Most people do zero point loans, so they're not paying any discount points. But we're going to talk a little bit about a strategy that we'll probably go a lot deeper on in a future episode. But using discount points in lieu of a reduction to the sale price to buy down your interest rate. And by doing that, you end up with a lower payment, a more affordable payment. Um, than you would by just reducing the price by an equivalent amount. So again, you can use it for your non-recurring closing costs. You can use it for your prepaids. You can use it to pay discount points to buy down your interest rate. And uh, a credit in lieu of repairs is going to be applied to any and all of those three. So the first, the first big limitation that we have is you cannot get a seller concession or a seller credit in excess of the total of those, meaning that if you got, let's say that your closing, non-recurring closing costs, your prepaids and any discount points that you agreed to pay came to $11,000. You can't get a $12,000 seller credit because that additional $1,000 would then reduce the cash to close by a, a portion of your down payment. So if you're putting 3% down or 5% down, you would now be doing 5% down less $1,000 and you wouldn't meet the requirement there. So it is kind of important. It is, again, this is something we haven't discussed in years that we make sure we're not getting a credit in excess of the actual funds to close in terms of closing costs and, and prepaids. Now, Josh, let, let's let's take a step back here and talk about, I know we talked about non-recurring closing costs. That's what can be used for. But how about an example um, of, of for, for listeners out there of something that it can't be used for? We talked about all the things it can be used for. What's an example of, of a credit, what, something that it couldn't be used for on closing? 
as long as it's it's a closing cost on your settlement statement, it can be used to cover that. So okay. um, it just cannot exceed actual bona fide closing costs. Got um, it. Okay. And sort of the, the additional limitation here um, that we want to go into is every loan program also has a percentage limit of how much the seller can give you towards closing costs. Um, and these are fairly simple. FHA is the, the most aggressive in that any type of FHA loan, you can get up to a 6% seller credit. VA limits you to 4%, but there's some exceptions to that where you may be able to exceed 4%. Again, these are not numbers that we've seen in a long time. And even now I'm seeing one and 2%. I haven't seen anyone pushing four, five, 6% recently. Conventional loans, meaning loans that are gonna go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, those um, a little bit more complicated, you have to consider the down payment. So with uh, uh, any loan to value above 90%, we can only get a 3% credit. From 75.01 up to 90%, you can get a 6% seller credit. And again, I, I, I always forget about this because I've just literally, literally never had it come into play. If you put more than 25% down, you can get up to a 9% seller concession. I don't know that wow. I've ever seen a seller concession <laughs> in excess of 6%, but you can get it. And in case you're thinking in terms of buying an investment property, Fannie and Freddie will allow only up to 2% seller concession on non-owner occupied properties. Got it. And so I, I want to, again, take one step back here because, you know, you mentioned that you can't get more back than your actual closing costs. And this has been a long time since I've actually had this happen. But, you know, when you get in that situation and and you can actually prepay stuff for a longer period to actually take up that unused credit. Is that right, Josh? So like if there's an HOA in that community and say it's, you know, a hundred bucks a month, you could pay for a year in advance of that HOA at $1,200 a month to eat up some of that unused amount of money and or paying maybe your hazard insurance premium for a longer period of time. Is it still possible to do that sort of thing where you can actually eat that entire credit where it's not unused? Absolutely possible. So um, we would much rather find a, a creative way to use all of the funds than get to the end and realize, hey, you negotiated a $10,000 seller credit. And we only have $8,500 of costs. Right. We will find a way to use that up, including let's say there's an extra $1,500 left. We might go to a lower interest rate and use that $1,500 to partially um, buy the rate down. So there's there's multiple ways of doing it. Just like you said, HOA and insurance are the easiest ones. Um, an interesting quirk of the VA loan program, we can use the extra amounts to pay off debts of yours to, uh, to use that up. So no other loan program allows that, but it is an interesting quirk of the VA product for those of you veterans out there. And it's one of the reasons why we love the program, just because it's so flexible and helpful to the veteran borrower. You know, so one thing I hear when when I hear you talk about this, Josh, is is working with a professional, working with you know a, a broker that understands not only different loan programs, but un, you know understands how to use these credits. And I think it's important as a buyer when you're starting to negotiate contracts or you're negotiating repairs, you know, with your agent that you and your agent are talking to your mortgage expert, your professional on the mortgage side. And having these conversations saying, hey, listen, if we ask for a $10,000 credit, is is there enough there to use that? I mean, what can we use it towards? How will this help me? How will it benefit me? Could we do more? Um, so these are things, again, it's, it's, it's important to have professionals on your side, real estate agents that know how to negotiate these, mortgage professionals that know how to use these credits so that there's not a portion um, going to waste. Um, and with that being said, if you need a professional 
expert in the real estate field, in the mortgage field, there's a link um, in the description of this podcast that will get you to somebody that can guide you through that process. Somebody that Josh and I know personally um, that will take great care of you. So Josh, with that being said, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, seller credits in this market. Um, what else, what are we missing here? Any, anything with regards to concessions? Not really, other than it's fairly simple and straightforward here in 15 minutes, we've given you the, the overview of it, but each situation is unique. We need to look at what type of loan are you getting? Um, how much money do you have available? What is the best way to use credits right. to, to give you the most advantage? Your agent, uh, and again, this is why it truly is a team. This is where we really have a lot of conversation upfront with your agent that's writing that offer and they're having communication with the listing agent is, this is the negotiation of where we've got sort of this Venn diagram of seller's needs, lender's needs, your needs as a buyer. And we're trying to find that sweet spot there of how to get everyone what they want. The seller wants to walk away with as much as possible. You want to come in with as little as possible, with as low a payment as possible. And we've got lender guidelines. So really, um, it's it's a more interesting part of the market because we're more like for us as a lender, because we're more likely to have front end conversations with both agents just to make sure we're all on the same page and trying to find that sweet spot that works for everyone. And Jeb, you know, for us, this really is one of the tip-offs of, of how experienced and knowledgeable the agents are that we're dealing with. Um, the experienced ones, like you know this, Jeb, you don't deal with loan guidelines on a daily basis. So if your seller or your buyer wants a credit, or if a buyer is asking your seller for a credit, you're likely to give me a call and say, hey, we got an FHA offer on this property and they're wanting this. Are we cool? Can we do that? Whereas the inexperienced agents, we get contracts that are just problematic that we got to go back and revise and and change those numbers. So it really is important to be working with with pros that know and understand and are having open dialogue and conversation to make sure that you're getting what you need and that we're not doing anything outside of the lender guidelines at the same time that's going to require you know juggling towards the end of the transaction. No, and I think it's also important to note that you can ask for a credit even if you have the money in the bank. I mean, you can have enough money for your down payment. You can have enough money to pay the closing costs. Hell, you can have way more money than exceeds any portion of the transaction that you have to uh, put more money towards and still ask for a credit. You don't have to be in a desperate situation to ask for credits. I mean, this is something that is common. It's been a lot less common over the last couple of years. And I think a, a, there's a lot of buyers out there less prevy to it because of, of the market that we've been in. But understand, this is something that, you know, even if you have the money, you can do it. But I think it's important to note, Josh, and I don't remember if you said this earlier in the podcast or not, but you can't ever get a credit towards the down payment. You can't ask the seller, hey, you know, I need a $5,000 credit because you're your down payment's $5,000, right? Yeah, all of those loan programs, it's the minimum statutory investment that the investors require you to have into the transaction. So any seller credit towards that is considered an inducement to buy and would decrease the the actual sales price or the appraised value, and then you end up in a whole tailspin. So yeah, the easy answer is no, you can't do that. And Jeb, a really good point that you made um, is that you don't necessarily have to have this money. You could have a million dollars sitting in the bank and ask for a seller credit. So if we look, let's say on a $700,000 purchase here in Southern California, it's probably about $12,000 total to close between your non-recurring closing costs and your prepaid, depending on what time of year you close. So let's say you did have that $12,000. You could ask the seller to pay for it 
or you could reduce, possibly reduce their sale price by $12,000. Why might you prefer to pay the higher price and get them to, to cover the cost? You're only going to save a little less than $5.50 per thousand. So if we're, we're talking about a $12,000 difference, it's about $60, $65 savings in the monthly payment. Almost 100% of the time when I ask a borrower, would you rather have ten dollars or $12,000 in the bank or a $65 lower monthly payment? They rightfully say, I'd rather have ten dollars or $12,000 in the bank. So those are the discussions that we have when we're comparing all the options of how to structure an offer. And this is new territory for us after the last couple of years in that we have some negotiating room on 50, 60% of properties where we can say, do we want a lower price or do we want to have less cash to close from you for any number of reasons, including just leaving you with more money in the bank at closing. No, it's good stuff. And and something that I think is important to note here, I mean, we, we mention this all the time, but just real estate's local, right? So in your market, it might be easy to ask for a credit. There's a lot of homes on the market, a lot of competition, homes sitting longer. You might go in and, and get your first offer accepted with a seller credit, or you might be on the other side of that and be in a market that's still competitive, homes still selling, um, even though some are sitting longer, there's more competition and a seller doesn't even respond to your idea of a credit or they counter you back and, and say, absolutely not. So it is. this isn't a given that a seller is going to give you a credit just because the market's changing. It's just something to add to your arsenal, if you will, as a buyer, as the market's shifting a little bit, as things are changing a little bit to give you you know, a little bit of a headway. Um, it's not a full buyer's market, but you know, these things make it a little bit more enticing as a buyer, um, you know, with higher rates and higher prices over the last couple of years, just to help you with that, that buying process. So what I'd like to ask here, um, if you're finding any value in these episodes at all, do us a favor and like, and review us. And then also we'd love to hear from you, right? We have some people reaching out, asking questions, but if you have questions about anything that we're doing here, you have an idea for an episode uh, that you want us to cover. There's emails uh, also in the description below, along with that that uh, link that'll get you connected with a professional. So don't be afraid to reach out to us. We are here to guide you, um, you know, empower you through that process, and and we'd love to hear from you. So, you know, do that. And uh, until next time, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.